In the Brazilian constellation, it was Richarlison who shone the brightest against Serbia. While Neymar's light was dimmed, he won't be back until the knockout phase. But if there's any squad that can cope with losing a talented individual, it's Brazil's. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is World Cup Only Better. We've got a strong squad here too, including Mark O'Hare. Mark, Brazil are the 1.49 favourites as they face Switzerland. But we do know the Swiss can be pretty solid. Yeah, we do. Um, for sure. I mean, I thought they were very smart and efficient and effective in the way they dispatched Cameroon on the first game. Um, probably a bit of a slow start and Cameroon took me a bit by surprise in fairness. They were better than I thought. But um, it was quite a flat first half. But I think as <clears throat> as the game wore on, uh, Switzerland sort of started to open them up. And I think tactically, and um, they, they sort of outclassed Cameroon, particularly down the flanks, really. And um, yeah, I mean, they, they have always been one of those I mean, they're, they're always labelled as a, a quite a boring team, aren't they? And I think that's probably done them a bit of a disservice over the years. But uh, they do tend to relish being underdogs, actually. And over the past 18 months, we've seen them beat France in the Euros. They've avoided defeat home and away against Italy to top that qualifying group. And they've beaten Spain and Portugal in the Nations League as well. So this isn't a team to be taken lightly. Um, I would possibly anticipate Switzerland maybe moving to a three-man defence to try and uh, combat the, the Brazilian team. That might mean Fabian Cher coming into the side, uh, reshaping the midfield and attack. But, you know, they have got a quality squad. Players, you know, more than capable of coming into the team. Um, there's a bit of versatility and adaptability about them too. So uh, I'm not expecting Brazil to, to steamroll them by any stretch of the imagination. And, you know, it took them a while to sort of find their rhythm against Serbia too. I was I was quite surprised that Chichi went with the uh, just the one holding midfielder and Lucas Pacatar alongside Casemiro. Uh, we know he's very adaptable. It was very attacking, very wasn't it? Super attacking. Very too. much so, um, especially as we expected it to be, you know, fighting fire with fire. But Serbia took a a much more restrained approach, uh, which I didn't anticipate. But even still, you know, Brazil in that second half were, were mesmeric at times. And I think they won the shot count 22-5 overall. And as you say, there was a time when Neymar's injury could be fatal for this team uh, over the last four or eight years across the last two tournaments. Whereas now you sort of look towards Danilo's injury as possibly being the, the sort of key one out of the two because uh, their cover at fullback is, is weak uh, at best, really. So that's an interesting one to look to. Um, yeah, I, I did kind of look at Switzerland at the Asian handicap start with a plus one and a half um, lead there. It's around 1.78, which I, I didn't think was the worst bet in the world. But Brazil's group stage record is, is phenomenal through the years. And Neymar or no Neymar, you do possibly expect them to get the job done. So back them to win and under three and a half goals looked a, a nice play, I thought, at odds against quotes around about five to four. I'm not anticipating a shootout in this game by any stretch. You know, both teams have already got three points on the board. No real need to, to press the issue. But as an alternative at 17 to 10, Ricardo Rodriguez to commit two or more fouls stood out to me. Committed four against Cameroon. Um, he's not getting any younger and he's likely to be up against Rafinha, who didn't have the best game against uh, Serbia, but um, expecting better. And, you know, we talk about the rotating cast of stars they can bring off the bench, you know, whether it's uh, Rafinha or, or anyone else, really, he's going to be up against it. So 17 to 10 just for two fouls did, did stand out to me. When you think of the great mathematicians of history, you might think of Pythagoras, Gauss, Euler, Hypatia. I'm adding odds compiler Mark Stinchcombe to the list. Stinch. 
Uh, great to have you with us once again. Uh, Switzerland, as Mark says, poor against Cameroon in that first half, but recovered well. And I always think with them, they are a little bit like a club side because they've been together for so long. They know each other's games inside out. Yeah, I think this fixture is massively on group state, essentially. So both teams being on three points, there's no need for either of them to go all out attack to look for the win. Obviously, Brazil, big favourites, so you expect them to be the one to be the team to naturally have more of the ball and to be attacking more. I don't think will be any surprise if that's how the, the game does play out. But obviously there's no Neymar. And if we look at Switzerland in the, the Nations League and, and the World Cup qualifiers against bigger teams, as, as Mark kind of referenced to, they were able to keep things very tight um, across most of those games. You can see just three goals in five matches against Spain twice, Italy twice and Portugal. So I was looking at the under two and a half goals here because the goal marker is chalked up as 50-50. And I think what we've seen so far in the tournament is low scoring games, essentially. You look at the overall average is just 2.39 goals per game. Are you surprised when by you... that, Stinch? Because it's been quite a marked drop to what we thought we might get. I'm, I'm not, in a way, because you look at the fact that in the 28 matches so far, the favourites have only won 12 of those, which is... Um, unforeseen really and I'm not really surprised given the fact that the sh way the schedule has been this season with the top players who play for the top teams you know they've been playing every three days for months essentially um, so yeah I mean you look at the goal average compared to 2018 we saw 2.64 goals per game 2014 2.67 so it's very much you can see a sort of a general trend there across a decent spread of, of matches but having said that given we've seen and I would describe it as an influx of penalties with a threshold being lower you just have to have a minuscule amount of contact and scream and roll around a little bit to get <laughs> anybody the guys anybody you think you're particularly there <laughs> uh maybe a saudi attacker uh i don't want to pigeonhole any particular team or players i think uh any of them would you know if it's it's their country essentially any of them would take a dive to try and get them a penalty but also the additional injury time um you know it gives an opportunity for more goals to be scored so i am surprised the the goal output has been lower, but at the same time, I think a bigger weight is the toll taken on the players uh, so far this season. Um, and with this, we, these two teams met in the group stages in 2018, and it finished 1-1. And many of the same players took part. So I think maybe Brazil will perhaps open in half an hour, open in 45 minutes to readjust without Neymar. Um, I'm not sure who we expect to maybe come in and take that. I, again, we were a little bit surprised to see him uh, start with uh, Paqueta alongside Casemiro in that too. So I don't know whether Paqueta will be shuffled a little bit further forward, and maybe Fred will come in alongside Casemiro, or maybe a bit more be a bit more offensive and bring in one of the more attacking players like Rodrigo perhaps to replace Neymar. So it'll be interesting to see what he does there. But yeah, I think um, I think the first half could be a bit of a chess match and maybe ultimately both teams might accept a point and move on to their, <laughs> their final games. Trader, tipster and all-round superstar Emmett O'Keefe back in the starting side today. Emmett, what do you make of this one? Yeah, I, I kind of echo, echo everything the lads have said there. Um, the, it, it, it's kind of... It, it, it's it, it, it's quite easy to, to kind of foresee Brazil taking time to adapt 
without Neymar, he was their pivotal player in qualification. Despite the Galaxy, the incredible attacking talent they do have, he is their pivotal player and their real kind of their real creator in that attack. And I, th- I guess as well, if um, I think probably it is most likely that like Fred will come in. I saw, I saw previously with with Anthony starting, which would probably surprise me. But if if um, if if Fred comes in, I think that'll probably lead lead to a tighter game. And yeah, I, 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 and if it's kind of a tighter, low scoring game, I think that that really kind of benefits Switzerland and the Asian handicap. I, I, I might probably be a bit more aggressive and take them kind of plus one. So Switzerland lose by one, you get your money back. I, I, I could see Switzerland make this very, very competitive. And as the lads have said, I think it's it's it, w- it wouldn't be a shock given given the group state if kind of if it's one all and ten minutes to go and both teams kind of aren't pushing for victory. Now, one thing to bear in mind for tomorrow's matches, you get a £5 free bet when you place a £5 bet builder on any World Cup match tomorrow. T's and C's in the description, 18plusCGambleAware.org. Elsewhere in that group then, it's Cameroon against Serbia, with Cameroon the outsiders here at 5.5. Stinch, I thought they played well to start with against Switzerland, made some chances, but rather faded in that second half. But... We saw that the attacking quality is there. Supermoting got himself in some good positions. They could even afford to leave Abubakar on the bench. So there is quality there going forward. Yeah, I was going to say exactly the same. I think they ran out of steam in the end and didn't quite take the the most of the, the opportunities or the positions they found themselves in. You think of maybe Brian and Buemo could have perhaps tried to square it to Chupamoting yeah. rather than sort of wildly shooting from a from more of a tighter angle. Um, but yeah, you're right. I, and I thought um, Serbia, kind of similar to Mark really, um, thought they didn't really impress that much against Brazil. Of course, obviously Brazil, Brazil a good time, a good team, um, and the favourites of the World Cup. But never on occasion they really looked as though they were going to lay a glove on Brazil. At least try and attack. And a bit concerned maybe that Mitrovic isn't a hundred percent fit. He didn't look um, it, did he? No, nah, he he only he had the second fewest touches of any starting player on the pitch. Um, obviously Vlajevic started on the bench so again I'm not quite sure what his fitness levels are like and you know if we're not sure if, if either of them uh, are going to start or actually 100% fit I think it's difficult to be confident in, in Serbia as the as the sort of 8 to 11 favourites I mentioned favourites have just won 12 of the 28 matches so far and I think with the you mentioned about Cameroon's attacking talent you know I, I quite like that front three of Chupamoting, Ikambi and, and Buemo and you've got Abubakar and, and Georges and Kudu came off the bench. You've also got Nsame and Basoggog who have, have done things in, in European um, competitions as well at club level. So I think they do. And with the five substitutions, I think you know they, they can afford really to have a good hard 45 minutes out of, say, Chupa Moting. So I thought he faded especially. Yeah, he looked tired, um, didn't he, second half? Yeah. Obviously, he doesn't play 90 minutes regularly for Bayern, so I'm wondering maybe if that sort of general match fitness was catching up with him. But yeah, I think they should try and take a bit more advantage of the five subs, perhaps go hard for the an hour with a with front three and then and then refresh it. So yeah, I just think Cameroon, I, I backed them the same bet in the first game, so I lost half my, half my stake. I went with Cameroon plus three quarters. And I think that's the bet again, really, uh, at 1.92. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting one with Cameroon, isn't it? Because the market just doesn't seem to rate them. But there's definitely quality there. And with Serbia, as Stinch has alluded to there, Mitrovic not 100% fit. Vlaovic only came on as the second half <clears throat> sub against Brazil and didn't really do anything. And Filip Kostic, who's such a creative outlet for them down the left, he's got injury problems as well. Yeah, exactly. I think it's, I'd, I'd be very reluctant to, to back Serbia at, the, at their current price. But kind of going back to what we said in the first game, I think just the group stage, kind of in the both sides having kind of lost in game, means I think I think should lead to kind of quite a high scoring game, and kind of just unlike maybe some kind of some of the traditional African Nations Cup games where we see a lot of kind of low scoring matches in, in the last African Nations Cup, Cameroon were the highest scoring team, but also they conceded in every African Nations Cup game they played. Actually, the third place playoff, they actually went three 0 down to Burkina Faso and, to, and actually came back. I think again, so I, I think. If 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 they're forced to kind of push for the game, I think I wouldn't be shocked to see Abubakar and Chief Promoting start start up front together. I think I was there's a former Cameroonian international who does a bit of analysis on Irish radio, and he was kind of saying he was kind of ho- ho- hoping for that, and that would give them I think a really a really potent attacking unit. And I think they I think they were the best uh, probably better than the best top five or six midfielders at the tournament in uh, Andre Frank Zambo and Gisa. So I, I, yeah, I lean Cameroon in the match betting, but I think. Given given the given the group stage and kind of Cameroon's defence, I think over two and a half goals is the way I'd look here at against. Let's take it on to the game between South Korea and Ghana then. South Korea drew nil-nil with Uruguay, while Ghana lost an entertaining game 3-2 against Portugal. Mark, I'll start with you on this one. South Korea, the slight favourites here at 2.72. But the truth is, they didn't create a huge amount against Uruguay, and Uruguay hit the woodwork twice. Yeah, um, wasn't the, the greatest of games really, was it? And um, I, I thought South Korea might play with a bit more initiative because Uruguay, there are, there are weaknesses in that team and... You know the, the lack of pace and defence meant they have to defend a bit deep and and kind of you know there's big sort of gaps between the, the attack and and the and the rear guard because Luis Suarez can't run at all either anymore. So um, but I don't think South Korea sort of did enough really to, to warrant more from that match. So um, yeah, the pressure's on this game now um, for both teams really because Ghana. I mean that first half against Portugal was one of the worst 45 minutes we'll, we'll probably see in this competition. But the second half was probably the best second half we're going to see in the competition. It was it was fantastic fun. Um, but yeah, Ghana have made some good progress under Otto Addo, um, a Dortmund coach who's still kind of double kind of working with Dortmund whilst he's working with the Ghanaian national team. He's got Chris Hutton and George Boateng behind the scenes too, and there has been progress made. Um, but uh, you know they at least showed they had a bit of a plan, a bit of penetration about them, perhaps uh, tactically lacking in certain areas, particularly after sort of getting back into the game against Portugal. But I thought there was a lot to like about uh, the Ghanaian performance, and you know Emmett's talking about group state um, in the previous match. It's absolutely up for grabs here. You know both teams desperately need a result here if they're going to have realistic aspirations of, of qualifying. Really, so I'm hopeful that we're going to get a bit of a decent game here, and I think. Odds against on both teams to score is, is certainly where I'd be looking at this match. I think the second half could easily open up into a bit of a shootout, really. Um, and I think both teams have the potential in forward areas to make their mark. Um, as an alternative, actually, as well, um, there's a 10 to 11 available on Young Wu Young. Uh, hopefully, I've pronounced that name correctly. He's the number five. Sounded flawless to me. <laughs> well, he's the number five, and you'll know the guy who plays for Freiburg, who's number 25. He's got a very similar name, but it's spelt differently. Um, 
Uh, it's not him, uh, but it's the number five who basically starts in holding midfield. Played 90 minutes in the opening game against Uruguay. Committed four fouls. Uh, was heavily involved in kind of putting out fires. He's a bit of a destroyer. Um, obviously, the opposition here aren't quite as fierce, but you expect Ghana will have to push forward and in counter-attacks and transitions. There will be opportunities to, to commit fouls and possibly pick up cards too. But yeah, he's 10 to 11 to commit two or more fouls. Four in the opener. Um, expect him to have his hands full here because I do like the Ghana and... Um, but uh, I think uh, I'd rather with goals here just because of the, the state of play. Yeah, Stinch, one of the players that caught my eye in that second half against Portugal, and he, he has done at club level as well, Mohamed Kudus, got himself into some brilliant positions between the lines and Portugal really struggled to contain him. Ghana have got a bit about them going forward, haven't they? Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's kind of disappointing that he didn't play further forward. Um, yeah. He played like a part of a midfield three, which I thought was bizarre. When doesn't suit him at all, does it, playing in that deeper role? No, I mean, he gets, he can pick the ball up a bit earlier, but he's further away from goal. And I think he's the best, his best work is probably dribbling and shooting. And so I would much rather him further forward than that. Ajax, he plays you know, as a central striker. So it's bizarre to see him line up a midfield three. And Mark alluded to the... Bit of a lack of tactical now. So, I mean, a horrendous set of substitutions, wasn't it, to sub him and AU just seconds after going back level, and then to concede immediately. So there's probably a bit of naivety, but I think you get that a lot, a lot with uh, African teams. But yeah, I'm quite impressed with them going forward. Obviously, Tarek Lamptey's uh, another option off off the bench, um, along with uh, Andre Ayew's brother. I mean, they could have, uh, but for uh, an Anarchy Williams. Um, Stud, they could have uh, yeah. potentially got that back as a draw. Obviously, would have been a bit, uh, a bit lucky. Um, but I feel like the market has overreacted a little bit to the two results. They've just, I feel like they've kind of gone well. South Korea didn't lose, and Ghana lost, so South Korea must be better. Because <laughs> um, I'm not sure anybody's out there back in South Korea at six to four. And if you look at when the matches were priced up after the draw was made in April, this match was rated as 50-50. So, in my mind, I was going to kind of play the numbers and the sort of an overreaction from the market and, and take Ghana draw no better evens as they're priced up as, as the outsiders. Um, I don't foresee something where South Korea are going into this match and going, I will take a point and then we'll go for it in our final game. Um, I think that's probably a bit too optimistic to think about it in that way. So, yeah, I, just, I think I'm happy to back Ghana at the price. I think if you keep Son quiet for South Korea, I think Ghana have got more threatening players going forward that can cause trouble. Yeah, I have to say I agree with that. This football season, get a helping hand with Betfair's popular bet builder. Easily add our most popular or fan favourite football selections to your bet slip in just one tap. T's and C's in the description, 18+. plus. See gambleaware.com. Org. So that leaves us with a fascinating clash of attacking veterans. Portugal taking on Uruguay. Portugal, the 2.06 favourites here, Emmett. That seems a bit short to me. Yeah, definitely. I think Portugal is one of these teams that always leave you, leave you wanting more international level. I think the, it was it was comical against um, in the first match against Ghana. It was nil all, given the... And given Portugal's lack of creativity attack, the first substitution was kind of William Carvalho holding midfielder, like who Fernando Santos seems to seems to be kind of infatuated with, and it's just like the, Portugal. They just like it look. It, it looks. It's very blatantly, blatantly obvious to me that their their team is lacking pace and attack, and it's not as if they have one of the most gifted wide attacking players in Europe, who's probably worth over hundred million that they're leaving on the bench, and that's that. That is the case in Rafael Leao. I, I, I can't. 
Or at least he scored. At least that's something. I know, but is it like there's like there's no logical reason why he, why he's on the pitch? Like they just they they, they they have like they have a lot of the, the kind of like very skillful, creative, technical midfielders like Bruno, like Bernardo Silva, these type of players. But like you need you you need you need you need a player with pace and dribbling to complement their attack. And Santos doesn't doesn't seem to see that. I'm presuming Liao doesn't start. So yeah, I can see this being a very kind of very kind of bitty, foul, heavy game, with, well, quite like Mexico Argentina, uh, I would say, where kind of both teams are playing quite conservatively. Por- Portugal probably happy for a draw, and Uruguay I could probably possibly be happy with a draw as well. Um, and so I, I, I kind of, and, and, and kind of, and kind of remaining confident that, that they're going to win their last match. But yeah, I'd, I'd lean Uruguay in the match, but the like the but I like more just over four and a half cards. Again, much like Mexico Argentina, I think this is a game with a lot of volatile characters in the pitch. And it, and it, if you are going to go behind, I could see, I could see players like Suarez, Nunez, Valverde, and Benton Curlock maybe kind of losing it, and and uh, I'll go with the referees. No, but Portugal, Portugal are similar. Whereas again, it's like pl- plenty of card candidates there. So yeah, if you're looking for a better of the game, over four and a half cards that are any even to look. Yeah, Mark, this is just set up for violence, isn't it? Yeah, you'd think so. Um, I mean, I, I think it's going to be a dog of a game, to be honest. Um, you know, it's if, if both teams go with the same setups as they did in the first game, uh, I can't see this being pretty. Um, Ronaldo and Suarez just passed it, both of them. You need to get a bit more pace and energy about you in forward areas. And I explained Uruguay's issues in the previous match as well, but Portugal just as just as much really. You know, Ronaldo being there just affects the, the whole balance of the team as it does with Man United as well. But um, yeah, I mean, Ali Reza Figani is the is the referee, um, an Iranian who, who referees in the A League, and he's uh, he's not renowned as being uh, prolific, but he certainly has his moments, and uh, he wouldn't be too he would be quite happy to sort of dish out the punishment when required. And as Amit says, there's plenty of volatile characters in both teams. Um, and yeah, I just think the game state of the group just, just doesn't lend itself to being a high scoring match. But um, I think I found a bit of a blinder here actually. And it's a shame Emmett's on the on this because he'll probably come and chop the price straight away. But um, here, here we go. Um, so in Ghana's game against Portugal, they had 38% of the ball. Um, Salasu and Am- Amate were playing center half. Uh, they both managed at least 47 passes. In that match, um, one of them had uh, more than half a century, but um, yeah, they both managed at least 47. Uh, Uruguay centre half Jose Jimenez will be at the heart of the Uruguayan backline. Is seven to five to attempt 50 or more passes in this game. Uh, you expect Uruguay to have more than 38% of the ball that Ghana did, uh, and in his first game against South Korea, he attempted 79 passes. There are five Uruguayans in the market shorter than Jimenez to to attempt 50 passes or more. And if you're looking to sort of the passes market, uh, the centre-halves are always kind of top of that list, top of that tree, because that's where most of the possession comes from. So 7-5 to five on Jimenez to have 50 or more attempted passes does look like a, a gem to me. I like the idea that you might have to start whispering your tips so that Emmett and the other traders <laughs> don't hear it and start reacting. Well, I mentioned and I mentioned did... Aaron Moy the other day in the Australia game. He actually ended on forty nine passes rather than fifty. Typically, oh, uh, that was even money. So he went off at one to six. So, you know, Emmett, close your ears. He's a market mover. <laughs> is O'Hare? He he speaks and the market <laughs> trembles. Uh, and Stinch, just a quick one on this. Any any non violent angles you might have seen? 
I just want to touch on the match odds, really. I don't think you can go anywhere near Portugal in, in tournament football. I think it's encapsulated perfectly by uh, Emmett's point on their first substitution being bringing on a holding midfielder in, in a game they were, they were odds on to win at 0-0. Bring on the wardrobe! Minutes. That's pretty much it, isn't it, really? <laughs> I mean, at the last Euros, they won one game in 90 minutes. At the the last World Cup, they won one game in 90 minutes. Famously, they won the Euros in 2016, winning one game in 90 minutes. You just can't trust Portugal at, at these prices. So, um, yeah, I think I don't really want to um, lay them. I think I think long term that is a strategy. I don't really want to lay them in a game that they are expected to play on the front foot. And I was very disappointed with Uruguay in the first game. Um, but I think under 2.2 five goals if you wanted an alternative angle uh, around about 1.85 uh, would be the the way I'd, I'd want to go here I mean they they face each other with many of the same players four years ago when Uruguay won 2-1 but the the game was as kind of Mark alluded to was very very short on on quality chances just two chances higher than 0.1 expected goals and I'd be expecting something similar here as well well, that's all we have time for on this edition of World Cup Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. If you want the best tips and insight delivered straight to your inbox, you can sign up for our World Cup newsletter at betting.betfair.com. From Mark, from Emmett, from Stinch and from me, it's goodbye for now.